0: But Syata Ishmael. let's continue with our lessons on Havasi Israel. And we're going through the Hagim right now, only because and even though there's a certain cosmic time in the universe when there's a window open for us to do Teshuvah, you know, and for us to celebrate things of Besimcha and to remind ourselves you know, remind our children and to to, to to constantly be in awe of the time where Hashem took us out of Egypt and so forth, Pesach. These, all these windows of time and cosmic times are actually in us every day. And we can partake of this light every day and bring them into our life. And this is why it's important to expound on them not just especially during the time in which they occur but we can also expound on them in our daily lives and remember them and also keep them in mind when we move forward and what it is in terms of having a havas israel so now let's talk about sukkot and uh, the clouds of unity so on the yom tov of sukkot the torah commands us to sit in a sukkah for seven days commemorating the sukkots that hashem provided for the jewish people upon their leaving egypt and there's a dispute in Gemara as to what these sukkot were rabbi eleazar says that they were the clouds of glory that accompanied the jews in the wilderness while rabbi akiva maintains that these sukkot were actual physical booths which hashem provided to the jewish people for shelter so the shukhar rules like rabbi eleazar that therefore magen avraham there writes in the name of the Bach that when one performs a mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah he should have in mind that he is commemorating the clouds of glory so the commentaries ask a fundamental question. As we know, there were three constant miracles that accompanied the Jewish people during the forty years of wandering in the wilderness. Number one, the cloud of glory. Number two, the manna, which is a spiritual food, and number three, the bare shell Miriam, the well of Miriam, a rock from which a stream of water flowed. If so, why do we celebrate a festival commemorative commemorating only the miracle of the clouds of glory? what about the other two miracles? So Rabbi Haim Palagi of the Neves Chaim and Mareche Samek writes and he lists various explanations and among them is that the manna and the well were both provided as a result of the Jewish people questioning Hashem and complaining regarding the perceived lack of bread and water And the only miracle of the three to which no complaining was associated were the clouds of glory. They were provided peacefully as a result of Hashem's kindness to the Jewish people. And the clouds of glory were an expression of His immense love and care for us, and therefore we specifically commemorate that miracle. So interestingly, the sukkah is called sukkah shalom, the sukkah of peace. And it would seem that that just as the clouds of glory symbolize the peace and love between the Jewish people and Hashem, so too the sukkah is a place where peace reigns. And amazingly, the Kafa Chaim quotes the Yaffe Lalev, who writes, one who is careful to perform the mitzvah of sukkah properly is guaranteed that he will not have any arguments in his own the entire year. And so what's the connection between the clouds of glory and peace? Is it mere coincidence that there was no complaining or arguing that caused this miracle to occur? So the Gemara relates that three miracles, the manna, the well, and the clouds of glory were each provided in the merit of a specific sadik. The manna was given in the merit of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was a heavenly man. He went up to heaven and subsisted on the food of, of the... um angels and thus in this merit the jewish people were provided with the manna the food of angels and the well was given in the merit of miriam on the surface a well seems small and insignificant as one cannot see its true death and importance so this symbolized the modest woman from the outside she seems quiet and unassuming but her true value and contribution to the jewish people are immeasurable and finally the clouds of glory were sent in the merit of Aaron a Cohen. Aaron was a man of peace as the Mishnah states, Hilal says, "Be among the disciples of Aharon, loving peace and pursuing peace." So too, the clouds of glory symbolize peace, as they were brought about without complaining or contention. So therefore, the Sukkah, which represents the clouds of glory, symbolizes peace as well. And additionally, not only were the clouds of glory brought about peacefully, they likewise caused peace and unity among the Jewish people as well. How so? ah rob desler explains living within the clouds of glory symbolized an existence of minimalism and simplicity when people dwell in a barren desert they aren't pursuing their desires they live a quality a meaningful life such was the life of the jewish people during the journey in the wilderness when a person lives a life of simplicity he does not enter into arguments and that brings him peace this idea is very practical Practical in the sukkah as well. The sukkah symbolizes leaving one's comfortable home to live in a simple hut comprised of wood and branches. And ideally there is no competition in the sukkah. Everyone is equally living a life of simplicity and purity. Thus the sukkah brings people to peace. There's another point as well. The Hebrew term for these clouds is ananei ha-kavod. And although loosely translated as clouds of glory, kavod literally means honor. Thus, the exact translation is clouds of honor. These clouds brought honor to every individual and in, as each person experienced the luxury and comfort the clouds, the clouds offered. Each person felt as if he were sitting in the first class. When a person feels honored and respected, he has positive self-esteem and he interacts well with others. Feeling uncomfortable and disrespected is a source of much contention and argument because when one demands respect from others he begins to argue and so on and self-respect is a source of peace and so therefore the clouds of glory which made the jewish people feel that they were honorable brought them peace and furthermore, Rav Palagi writes that living within the clouds of glory brought unity to the Jewish people because everyone equally shared the same home. And this concept holds true regarding the Sukkah as well, as the Gemara dis- 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 describes from the verse, Every native of Israel shall dwell in booths." Sukkot. And that is a person does not need to have his own sukkah. The entire Jewish people can jointly buy one large sukkah into which everyone will fit. And this halacha alludes to the concept of unity that the sukkah symbolizes. He adds that this is the explanation for, for a perplexing gamara. The gamara states that at the end of time, Hashem will offer the nations of the world the chance to earn reward. He will give them the mitzvah of sukkah. And Hashem will then cause the sun to be down on them with intensity and they will kick the sukkah and leave it. And what is about the mitzvah of sukkah that the nations of the world cannot handle? He explains, since the sukkah is a place of unity and peace, the nations of the world have no connection with such concepts. And therefore, they're not able to fulfill the mitzvah of sukkah. So as the Beis HaLaviv, previously mentioned in the Gemara, compares the four species, lulav, Etrog, Hasadim, and Arvos. And to the Jewish people, as just as the four species must be held together, so do the Jewish people must be united. Interestingly, many have the custom to perform the mitzvah of shaking the four species while standing in the sukkah. Based on the above, it was seen that because the four species symbolize the unification of the Jewish people, we therefore bring them into the sukkah, the unifying force of the Jewish people, in order to create perfect harmony. And clearly the concept of unity is one of the main themes of Sukkot, as it's prevalent in both of the mitzvot of the Yom Tov. So let's utilize these days to strengthen our Havas Israel to love one another despite the differences between us and the challenges that may exist. Let's utilize that we are all one nation, unified within the clouds of glory and be bonded together like the four species. As I'll teach two well-known lessons about the Arba Minim, Etzrak, Lulag, Hadassim, and aravos. And seemingly these two lessons are unrelated, but when we delve a little deeper, we not only find a connection, but also a great lesson in Ahavas Yisrael. The first concept from the Midrash is that the four species symbolize the four different levels of Jews. The Midrash compares the qualities of taste and scent in each of these species to Torah and Mitzvot. Ex. Yosef explains that the taste symbolizes Torah, for taste is a main aspect of the fruit. Mitzvot compared to the aroma since they are secondary to the Torah and the etrog has both a pleasant taste and a pleasing aroma corresponding to the Jew who has both Torah and Mitzvot. So the fruit of the lulav has a good taste and it comes from a date tree. However, the lulav does not have an agreeable fragrance. And thus a lulav corresponds to the Jew who has Torah but no Mitzvot. The Hadass has a pleasant scent but no taste corresponding to the Jew who has Mitzvot but no Torah. And lastly, the arava has neither taste nor smell, and therefore corresponds to the Jew who is devoid of both Torah and Mitzvot. But when we put all four species together, we're unifying the Jewish people. Etz Yosef notes that the Jew who is compared to the arava is one who, despite his de- de- deficits, considers himself a part of the Jewish people. As mentioned, one who separates himself from the Jewish people cannot join with us. And the second lesson from the Midrash is that the four species correspond to our four body parts. The etrog represents the heart, the Lulav to the spine, the Hadas to the eye, and the Arava to the lips. And when we hold these four species together to shake them, we symbolize that we must praise Hashem with all of our being. And as noted the Jewish Shalami, teaches that the antidote for argument and hatred is the realization that the Jewish people are like one body. If someone mistakenly hurts himself with his hand, for instance, by cutting his finger as he slices food, he won't become angry at the hand that misguided the knife and therefore hid it in retribution. He will only cause himself more pain. Likewise, if one Jew causes another Jew pain, he should not be upset and seek vengeance because he is essentially would be seeking vengeance against his own body as we're one entity. And based on this concept, these two midrashim are inherently connected. The lesson of the Rabbah, Arba Minim is that we must take all four types of Jews and unite them. But how do we do so? How can we really feel connected to someone who is so different, from a different culture, from a different type of community, from a different level of observance? For the solution, we look to the second midrash. The four species correspond to four body parts. And these four different types of Jews are all part of one large body called Klal Israel. When we internalize this message, we are on the path to true Ahavas Israel. Baruch Adonai Leolam. Amen. Ve Amen.